Hey, I'm Andy Chrisman, and this is the Creative Sheep Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Creative Sheep Podcast, the podcast where we talk to people who are good at what they do to inspire church leaders to get better. Folks, my name's Jared Hogue. I'm filling in for Roman Johnson today, and I could not be more excited to be here with you today. We have got a great podcast for you today. Uh, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Andy Chrisman. You probably remember him from the group For Him. And, uh, you know, for the past 15 years, actually, Andy has been a worship leader, worship pastor uh, at a couple of churches, uh, but mainly for the past uh, about 10 years, since 2005, Andy has been at Church on the Move in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I had the pleasure of sitting down with Andy and talking about how to become a better leader, specifically how to be a better worship leader, but really the principles that he talked about, uh, they really apply to all of us, not just to worship pastors, but just how to become a better leader. And we're going to get to that here in just a little bit. But before we do, uh, we've got to get to today's shameless plug. Shameless plug. Shame, shameless. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. Shame, shameless plug. So folks, of course, you know, Mother's Day and Father's Day are right around the corner. And if you're looking for a way to honor mom, look no further. We have just released a brand new piece called Ode to Mothers, just honoring moms for all the crazy, silly, gross things that they do as moms. Uh, So you can go check that out on our website. Plus, we just released a brand new Steve the Screen Mother's Day edition with a brand new segment in there called Mom Texts. And it's quite funny, quite funny if I do say so myself. Uh, Make sure you go to creativesheep.org to check that out. That's creativesheep.org. Org. Go check that out. And we've got some brand new pieces coming out for Father's Day as well. You're going to want to keep your eyes peeled for that. That is today's shameless plug. Shameless plug. Shame, shameless. Shameless plug. You know, before we move on, before we get to our interview for today, I want to give a quick shout out. Shout out to Pastor Troy Souden. Pastor Troy is the senior pastor of City Church of Olive Branch in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Troy is just tearing it up there, and he's one of our Creative Sheep podcast listeners. And just want to say, Pastor Troy, thank you for listening. Uh, With Mother's Day and Father's Day right around the corner, uh, Pastor Troy and his wife Melody just had a baby boy, Judah, not too long ago. So congratulations to the two of you. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, It's because of you that we're able to do what we do. So thank you so much. And now, ladies and gentlemen, without no further ado, let's get to my interview with Andy Chrisman. I'm Jared Hogue, and today I'm joined with Andy Chrisman. Andy, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, man. Looking forward to this. Came across a series of blogs that you wrote that are I thought were fascinating, and I think not only apply to, to worship leaders, but just leaders in general. Mm-hmm. And uh, you actually, it's a series titled Better You, Better Worship. If you want to go check this out, you can go to seeds.churchonthemove.com, where you can find these seven blogs. It's all about making a better you, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's very apparent what this article's about, so yeah. that you can be a better worship leader. Um, and I just want to walk through these the seven tips that you give for this. And I, like I said, I think this applies just to leadership in general, mm-hmm. not just to being a worship pastor. First and foremost, pray. Yes. Um, well, let me, let me just preface all this, these, these seven things first by saying that, you know, one of the things that I've learned, I'm still learning how to be a worship leader. Um, even after, I've been doing this now for, for 15 years, wow. um, full time. Um, and for me, I take a lot of pride in being prepared musically uh, for knowing how to 
uh, execute the songs once we get on stage so that they sound great, they look great, uh, they take you somewhere that you want to go uh, emotionally. Which, if, if I can jump in right yeah. there, one of the things I also read that you wrote is whenever you do a song, an expectation you have for yourself as well as your team is to break down the song. Really know, the, not, not just know the words to the song. Right. What does the song mean? Right. What, what, what am I conveying when I'm singing this song? Exactly. And, I, man, I thought that was so fascinating. I, I hadn't really looked at music that way before. Well, you know, think about it. A song is a three-minute sermon or a three-minute story, yeah. a five-minute story, just like, just like a great movie or a great book that takes you a lot longer to get through. A song can get you there with, with the way the music rises and crashes, with the, with the chord progressions, with the mood that the instruments can, can inform together. Um, I can take you on a journey, any great musician can take you on a journey in four or five minutes and you're glad that you took it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you, it's not just enough to know the lyrics and the melody. You have to know why the song makes you feel the way you feel when you mm-hmm. hear it. Why do you want to listen to it again? Immediately, Why do you want to hear the other songs on the record after you hear that one song? Mm-hmm. It's because they're well-crafted stories, um, maybe in a, not in a traditional way of storytelling, but all of the elements are there to make you feel. Um, think about watching a movie without a soundtrack. And it's a totally different experience. <laughs> right. It's not nearly as emotional. Right. So music is able to take us places. That's why I encourage our team every time that we take a song we've done a thousand times or a brand new song, and not just take it at face value, break it down, see why it works, see why it works for us and how we can interpret it into our own language. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the things that, that uh, getting back to these seven uh, disciplines, one of the things that I've really been uh, convicted about over the last couple of years is not so much how do we prepare the music for worship, but how do we prepare ourselves for worship? Mm. Because really, worship should be an overflow. The weekend should be an overflow of the way we lead our week or, or uh, the way we go through our week. And... Um, uh, I think so many times we work, 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 work to get the song sounding great that when we get on stage on the weekend, we're not quite as emotionally or spiritually prepared mm-hmm. to to uh, not maybe give the performance we need to, but present these worship songs the way that they need to be presented. So I just really spent some time in prayer, and I feel like God gave me seven things that we can do as a worship team leading up to the weekends. That's a, that's apart from all of the busy work of charting the songs, mm-hmm. learning the progressions, learning all the the licks, and the learning how to sing the song properly and with emotion. And they, um, I don't know, you're going to go through more of the time, but uh, they're they're pray, read, talk, listen, serve, struggle, and rest. And if we can do those seven things individually and as a team throughout our week. Uh, on a consistent basis, I think it really changes the mood of what we're able to do on the stage when we get there when it's time to perform these songs. I love what you just said a minute there. It's not just about how we prepare the music, but it's how we prepare ourselves. Mm -hmm. And being someone that does not lead worship, nor should ever be allowed to lead (laughs) worship, would you would you agree that it's not it's not just about a performance. It becomes more genuine and more dare I say engaging when you're truly worshiping with your audience. Well, let me just, let me, let me uh, talk about the word performance for a second. Uh, the word performance is actually all through the Old Testament hmm. when, uh, when uh, the musicians are chosen to, to make music and sing at the temple hmm. uh, or before the Ark of the Covenant. They, the, the Bible actually talks about the, their performance. They perform before the Lord. And so I believe in performance. I believe in 
in creating a great musical atmosphere mm -hmm. that is a performance. And we're not performing so that we can get accolades and glory and applause. Sure. But we perform for God. And I think we perform for other people so that we we can show them, hey, this. listen to what we're talking about. Listen, uh, we're going to put your eyes up here on us so we can direct your eyes towards Jesus. So I'm sorry, I kind of diverted the question there, but... Not at all. <laughs> I think that's great. But I do think, I do think that, you know, as we, I think in this conversation, as we, as we talk about the the spiritual side of what worship is all about, I, there's a balance to everything. And it can't just be all emotional, spiritual, and not be technical. Mm -hmm. Just like it can't be all technical and have no spirit or emotion to it. Right. So one of the things we strive for, and again, that's one of the reasons I felt very compelled to write this series of blogs, to balance out all of the technical stuff that we write and talk about, about how to make worship sound and look good. Mm -hmm. Very good, very good. So back to the seven here. First mm -hmm. and foremost, just pray. Yeah. What does that look like to you? It's a constant conversation. Mm -hmm. And really, worship is a conversation. Mm -hmm. Worship is a prayer. Um, um, many times in the, old, in the New Testament, uh, the word uh, pray is actually worship. Oh, wow. Pray without ceasing. Mm -hmm. uh, worship without ceasing. Um, and I'm not a theologian, so I'm, I'm not going to be able to, to tell exactly what words interchange you know, in the in the sure. New Testament. So if I got that one wrong, please don't write any letters. But um, uh, worship and prayer, I believe, a lot of times are interchangeable. Mm -hmm. And one of the time, one of the things I tell our, our worship leaders is that each of these songs that you sing should be a prayer. So you got to learn how to pray. Hmm. You got to learn how to take everything to God. And and for us, it's not just pray individually, but we must pray as a group. We must pray together. Hmm. We need to bear one another's burdens. Mm -hmm. We need to. Um, uh, we need to teach each other how to pray. We need to encourage each other to pray. So prayer for me, uh, in fact, one of, I think one of the best worship passages in all the Bible is the Lord's Prayer. And if you break down the Lord's Prayer, you can see a pattern of worship in every, in every um, element of, of Jesus' prayer that he tells us how to pray. Um, so prayer, I think, is the cornerstone, is the building, the first building block on which we put we build worship on top of, mm -hmm. is that we first have to connect one on one with God before we can expect people in our congregation to let us lead them in worship to God. Next up is read. Yeah, you got to be reading, mm -hmm. and obviously some of these these sound so simple when you when you say them, but it's amazing how much we don't do these things oh, on a regular basis. Um, well, it's but, often the simple like you just the simple things are yeah. often what you overlook, but they're, they're what add up to the big stuff. Exactly. So sorry. Anyway, yeah, I'm not no, trying to no, interrupt you. No, no, it's okay. Obviously, you should have a Bible reading mm -hmm. plan, and and you should be diving into God's Word every week. But you also should be reading things that make you better, mm -hmm. make you a better husband, a better father, a better a better musician. Um, there's, there's so many things out there. There's so many great authors out there. So many great pastors out there that are writing great books that it helps you to change your perspective just a little bit. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not reading ideas from other theologians and people who've been inspired to write about, uh, about uh, our faith, then you're going to get stuck in your own spot. Mm -hmm. And no one's going to be able to challenge that. And so I, I tell our guys, we're going to take... We're, I want you to read throughout the week, but we're going to take time every week together, hmm. and we're going to we're going to we're going to talk about the books we're reading, and we're going to we're going to read passages so that we keep each other accountable, and so you know we're trying uh, and succeeding to uh, create a culture of reading on our worship staff, and I just think 
you should always have a book on your desk, on your you know, on your phone, mm-hmm. uh, somewhere that you can you can take time, get off get off the television, uh, turn the music off, get off your video games, and pick up a book and read just a little bit. And here's what I've told our guys: you know, you may say that you're not a reader. I'm not. I would not consider myself a reader or an avid reader. Both my kids fly through books. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm, I'm dumbfounded by how much they love to read. I just don't. Mm-hmm. But here's what I challenge my guys. Read a chapter a day. One chapter of one book a day. Most books have about 30 chapters. That means in a year, you could have read 12 books. Mm-hmm. 12 books. <laughs> there are not many times in my life I've read 12 books in a year. Right. So it's just a very easy discipline that, that you can start in your life. And if you're not reading, you're not growing. And every great leader will tell you that. I was actually, I, it caught me off guard because I think musicians, and you even joke about this in some of the blogs for some of the cliches about musicians and mm-hmm. how they're, uh, flighty's not the right word, but just, I don't know, no structure, no, right. it's just, it's, We're creative. Exactly. Give us room to create. Exactly. Don't box us in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, I was, it, it, I thought it was really cool that, that this is a big deal to you and that, because I don't... I, most people, but especially when it comes to musicians, I, the Bible, that was understood, but it was just like leadership books and, and things like that. And you even went as far as to say books about inspirational people, Yes, um, which I thought was really cool. Mm-hmm. If you could throw out a couple of books that you would recommend right now in this vein, what, what would you say? Oh, man, there's some great ones that I've, I've been able to plow through in the last year. Uh, Ed Catmull's book, Creativity, Inc., mm-hmm. is a must for anybody doing anything in the creative world. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the uh, founder of Pixar. And, and just there's gold in there, and it's applicable to anything you're doing. I would say in business, creative, oh, yeah, that book. anything Absolutely. like that. Um, I've really been moved by uh, uh, Bonhoeffer, his, um, his biography. I've been reading Axiom by Bill Hybels, mm-hmm. great wisdom in there. Uh, man, it's just, I've, I've, you know, I'm the kind of guy that I have, I have 15 books, either on my desk or on my, on my phone, yeah. uh, that I'm reading a chapter here and a chapter there. Yeah. So. Those are a few books that that uh, have really uh, inspired me this year, and I think I've, I think I've maybe have put some more on the blog. Yeah, there, yeah, so. definitely go check it out if you yeah. want to see the rest of the list there. Um, but great, great recommendations. Uh, next up here is uh, talk. I'm not a talker. Really? So, yeah, I'm really not. Uh, it's I'm not. I've never been a people person. In fact, um, I got a bad rap in Nashville during my career in Christian music because I'm not a I'm not a socializer. I'm not hmm. a Especially compared to the other guys that I toured with, mm-hmm. who to me felt like the mayor of every town. <laughs> Everywhere they went, they were kissing babies and, and hugging people they didn't know. And, you know, they knew people they hadn't seen in two years, they knew them by their first and last name. And I just, it's never been a real strength of mine. Hmm. And so talking and sitting down and having conversations one on one with people has never been a strong suit. And, you know, honestly, going down through this list, this is, these are my weaknesses. These are wow. a lot of things that I'm like, okay, God, these are the things I have to work on. Mm-hmm. And if i got to work on them, my whole team's got to work on them with me. Mm-hmm. So uh, talking for me and being a worship pastor had been a struggle uh, just to say, hey, come on, let's talk. Let's, let's talk about what you're going through. I need to talk to you about what I'm going through um, and being open and um, being genuine with people, being transparent. I can tell you, I can look back on my life and think of times, years that I've gone without really having meaningful conversations with people, just because I'm busy. I don't have time for that. I do my job, do my job, do my job, go home. Mm-hmm. Do my job, do my job, do my job, come home. And and all of a sudden, you find out there are people in your life that you're responsible for, 
or that you're doing ministry with that are going through some incredible things that you had no idea. Mm-hmm. If you would just sit down and talk. And talking with each other allows us to know where our weaknesses are, mm-hmm. allows us to know who's strong in what areas. And I would, I would guess there are a lot of people doing what I do that, that don't have a lot of meaningful conversations with the people they do ministry with. So this is one thing we do. I, I, I open up my office every Friday. Basically, I'm in there almost all the morning and through lunch just having conversations with my team. Wow. The door's open. Come on in. Let's talk. Let's talk about what's going on in your life, good or bad, and, uh, and let's deal with some stuff. We've really tried to do this as a group, too, not just to take time to play music or pray, but to talk. Mm-hmm. Let's just talk about life. Let's talk about what we're into. Let's talk about what music we're listening to. Um, and so that's it's almost a lost art mm-hmm. with musicians is, is that we talk, mm-hmm. not about music, but about life. Mm-hmm. I love how uh, one of the things you talk about in the blog, and you, you addressed, you touched on it there, but the opening the door and talking like one-on-one with people and that you've gone as far, and this is, again, it kind of bucks the system when it's the typical what a musician would be, but like you slate that like this time every week is it's for you guys. Mm-hmm. You guys come in and do this. I think that's really cool. Um, and one of the other things I'd like you to, to talk about is, um, is is this is how where the, the critique comes in. Church yeah. on the Move very much has a culture. I mean, one of our core values here at the church is it can always be better. That's right. This is everything. Right. And so, uh, and I've seen especially in your department that this uh, you guys can be you guys can be pretty brutal. Would that be the right <laughs> word? <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. I guess I guess we could. But um, but it but it shows though too on stage sure. through what the end result is, and and I don't mean that in a bad way, but just. What I love that you said in the blog anyways is that you're showing people in these times of talking, it's not just about the critique, but showing them how they can respond to the critique. Right. And what does that look like? This is what I always tell my guys. Look, if I come in and I critique you or I tell you I don't like your idea, please defend it. What I'm doing, I'm not coming in to lay down the law and walk away and shut you down. What I'm doing is I'm... I'm, I'm starting a conversation. Mm-hmm. Hey, I don't really like the way you sang that. Or, hey, I don't really like the, that arrangement of this song. Instead of going, oh, okay, thanks, I'll change it. Tell me why. Why did you do it that way? What's your, what's your motive behind that? Mm-hmm. I want to learn, too. Mm-hmm. I don't know it all. Um, help, me to, uh, help me to figure out what's going on in your head why you're making these decisions. Mm-hmm. And if, you're not, if you don't have a process, then let me help you with a process. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, we do have a we do have a very strong uh, critique element to what we do. Mm-hmm. And in the past, yeah, we've probably may have gone too far the other way mm-hmm. to where there's criticism and then a little bit of praise. Uh, I told my guys what what we do from now on is what I call the, the the critique sandwich. Is hey, you're doing a great job. I love what you're doing. Here's how you can get better. Oh, and by the way, you're doing a great job. So, end with end with praise, critique, end with praise, or begin with praise, critique, end with praise. That's good. And so. You know, uh, I said this in a uh, in uh, one of my sessions at Seeds uh, earlier this year that um, critique without praise stifles enthusiasm, mm. but praise without critique stifles progress. And so there has to be Can a you say balance. That again, that was good. Critique without praise stifles enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. Praise without critique stifles progress. So we have to we have to. And, that, and I think that's the great balance of anybody in leadership is you have to pat people on the back, mm-hmm. let them know they're valuable, let them know you, 
you value the time and the effort that they're putting in, but also don't settle for status quo. Don't settle for a lack of excellence. Don't settle, settle for a lack of effort. Mm -hmm. Then it can always be better. Mm -hmm. uh, and here's how it can help you get better. Instead of, you're not good enough, I'm gonna bring somebody else in that is. So uh, there's a real balance there that we're, we're still, we still try to pursue that every single week. Okay, next up we've got listen. Well, just like if, you, if you're a talker, there are some people, you're either a talker or you're a listener. I would always, I would always default to the, I'm the listener. If I'm not the talker, mm. I'm going to be a listener. I've had people tell me that all through the years. Is that you're a really good listener. You're, you're, I like talking to you because you listen. Uh, again, the balance mm -hmm. of you have, to be able, you have to learn how to listen. You have to be able to shut your mouth, be in a group discussion, and listen to what other people are saying. Not the, and not always have your opinion be the one that is the last heard or the, the loudest. Be willing to listen to what other people say. And this, this, you have to be able to listen to critique. You have to be able to, to take critique and let it in and let it, and let it find its spot in your system to know where you can get better. If we shut our ears to listening, then we're not going to grow at all. And another thing that we, we, we tell our crew all the time, look, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. Nothing in the physical universe can stay at, at an, uh, can stand still mm -hmm. and stay exactly the same. It's either growing or it's decaying. So what are you going to do? Are you going to grow or decay? Are you going to get better or are you going to get worse? So yeah. you have to listen. You have to be open to criticism. You have to be open to a new way of doing things. And so listening, listening to other genres of music, listening to people who um, you may have looked at before as, yeah, I don't really, I don't really like what they have to say. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay away from all of that. I don't like that genre of music, so I'm gonna stay away from all of that. And I encourage anybody that's in music or in a creative field, open your mind. I'm not saying go out and 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 look at stuff that's ungodly or listen to stuff that that is by its very nature sinful. But mm -hmm. allow allow your uh, horizons to broaden just a little bit and listen to some more stuff mm -hmm. that's out there. Don't be so closed-minded. And so that's, again, that's something we try to set uh, time aside to do every week is to listen to one another mm -hmm. and then to get outside of our comfort zone and listen to things that we would not uh, normally listen to. It makes us better musicians for sure. Do you allow your team to critique you? Yes, I do. <laughs> uh, and, and they're careful about it. Sure. You know, they, they understand the authority and that I, I welcome it. Mm-hmm. And that there are only a few people, probably, sure. in my circle that, that really feel comfortable enough to come up and critique me, and that's fine. I think that you have to be on a level playing field mm -hmm. with someone to critique them. Sure. But I do. I, I encourage it. I'm like, tell me, tell me what you think. Tell me how that sounded. Tell me, do you like what I said? Can I do it better? Uh, I invite it. Um, but yeah, like I said, I have a couple of guys on my team that, will, that feel the freedom to come in, shut the door, mm -hmm. and say, hey, can I... Let me just tell you that I didn't like how you said this, or I didn't really like the way this came across. So, and it's good for me. Uh, the moment I shut that out, it's the moment I stop growing. One of the things you talked about in this is watching previous weekend services. Um, do you watch yourself? I have to. I learned a long time ago that if I didn't watch myself, I got into some really weird habits. Mm. Uh, there are faces that I used to make <laughs> on stage or in music videos. Yeah. Please don't Google them. Um, <laughs> that if I hadn't watched it and been honest with myself, mm -hmm. I'd still be doing some of those things or body movements. On even today, you know, I watch the last couple of weekends and go, yeah, you know, I probably shouldn't. I don't like the way I'm moving there. Mm -hmm. It looks a little weird or not very cool. 
Uh, don't like the way I'm dressed. It doesn't look right compared to everybody else. Mm-hmm. I don't. I can tell. I'm a. I've become a real a real student of vocal quality and the way people use their voices. I feel like I've learned more in the last couple of years than I have my entire life. And so I really listen to the way I'm singing mm. and the way others are singing just to make sure uh, everybody's doing it right. When you stop watching yourself back mm. is when you start to become an island mm. and you think everything you do is great. Mm-hmm. And if you don't self-critique, man, you, you, I think you're really missing an opportunity to grow. So yeah, I watch myself every week. I don't want to. There's a lot of times <laughs> I'll walk off stage and go, I don't want anyone to listen to that. I don't want to look at it. But I force myself to because it's a good discipline yeah. to get into. Yeah. Um, one thing with the listening, and this is a talk I heard you do years ago, um, but just how, and I think you were specifically referring to back in the four hymn days, mm-hmm. that, and, and you kind of alluded to this just a second ago, listening to other genres of music and yeah. listening to stuff, and this particularly applying to being a musician, but... You, you use this analogy of a jar that you're whatever you're putting in, you're you're kind of building who you are, what you're going to be able to pull from. Uh-huh. Um, and I may have just given away the whole thing right right there, but uh, I, I, if if you don't mind talking, if you remember that talk, talking about that just a little bit, that because ultimately it is. I mean, you can only give what you've got inside. That's right. Now, again, this was this was one of my challenges in Christian music was I didn't feel like. Christian music was growing mm. because we weren't we were shutting out lots of genres mm. of music and styles and influences that I think really stunted that had we when we didn't let those in we were stunting the growth of Christian music and we were playing just to a very small percentage of the population mm-hmm. um, very few bands have been able to break out of that and so one of the things that I love and, and Whit George um, who is now the executive pastor at Church on the Move was our arts director for so long. And that was one of his big um, uh, the big flags that he would wave. It's like, go listen to other stuff. Don't listen just to what Christians are doing. Listen to what non-Christians are doing. Listen to the amazing sounds and directions that some of these other artists are going. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to go explore and listen to those things. Because you're right, if you, if you can f- continue to fill a jar with marbles and you stick your hand in there and expect to get something out other than marbles, you're going to be really disappointed. Right. You've got to continue to pour stuff in. And I say this with great trepidation because, you know, some younger artists can see this as a license just to go, mm-hmm. you know, all this really terrible, filthy stuff that's out there and say, well, Andy said you got to listen to everything. I, I say that tempered with the fact that be careful what you allow your eyes and your ears to experience. But there's a lot of great, great music and sounds and and vibes out there that I believe are inspired by God mm-hmm. because God's the great creator. Music was created by God. Yeah. Rhythms were created by God. Instruments were inspired by God. Mm-hmm. I just believe anything beautiful is inspired or created by God. So don't be afraid to let beauty in mm-hmm. or things that are moving. Let those things in and draw from those things. And, and man, I love... I love being able to stick my hand in the jar and come out with something that I didn't expect mm-hmm. because I'd listened to or seen something a month earlier that kind of went back into my subconscious and I was able to draw from that later yeah. on when we were looking for a new way of doing something. Next up is the struggle. And this, oh man, struggle I think is, to me, is one of the maybe the second or third most important thing on this list. I think especially, you know, we talk about Christian music or worship music, sometimes how easy it is just to do the same thing over mm-hmm. and over again. 
I think the way we grow is by struggling. Mm -hmm. We have to find out what we're not good at and try and get better. We have to continue to find a better way to do things. Um, even when something is easy, you need to figure out how to struggle to get it done. Mm. Um, because in the struggle is where the beauty is. Mm -hmm. You can get up there and sound great and look great and deliver a great performance uh, week after week after week after week. And eventually, your congregation, your audience is going to get, they're going to get tired of it. They're going to get, they're going to start to tune it out because mm -hmm. it's the same thing. All the, Everything's perfect. Mm -hmm. Everything's beautiful all the time. What people really want is reality. They want something to connect to. Mm. They want they want the dirt and the and the struggle of their lives to be in some way reflected on the people that are leading them in worship to know mm. that they're just like them. And so I believe in the struggle of worship. I believe that we should struggle with the things that we sing. Do we really believe what mm. we're singing? What am I, you know, this song is talking about faith. Where am I lacking in my faith? And how do I struggle with this? How do I how does I struggle with this during this song? Even an easy song to sing, like maybe Amazing Grace that you've sung a million times, how do you struggle with that song to make it memorable, to make it actually move people, to move you? Is this song moving you? If not, you need to struggle with it. You need to get down and dirty with it and find out where the, where the rough edges are. I see so much homogenized Christian music and worship music yeah. that it's just throw a guitar on, jump on stage, and let's just sing a few songs together and you're on stage. There's no struggle in this. Mm -hmm. Any great artist, anybody that's ever made anything great had to struggle to get it made, had to work their rear end off, had to get dirty, had to lose sleep, uh, had, to, had to take a pay cut, had to, uh, you know, had to figure out how to get this done so that their dream was realized. There's beauty in the struggle, and nothing worth having comes without struggle. So I just believe for worship leaders, anybody in the creative world, if it's coming easy to you, you need to take a break, take a deep breath, and figure out how to struggle mm -hmm. with this with this uh, opportunity that you've been given. Mm -hmm. And one of the questions you ask in the blog, in particular, is um, in in regards to the struggle: is have we set the proper tone? What does that mean? I mean, tone is everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can, you know, I remember there have been times that we have uh, we've had services that where the subject matter was very was kind of dark mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and not real, you know, yeah, well, I'm glad I heard that sermon this week. <laughs> right. You know, uh, it was a little more, you know, poking at a tender area in mm -hmm. most people's lives. And yet we come out and guns are blazing and lights flashing and we're mm -hmm. jumping around on stage. The tone didn't match what we were, what, what the entire weekend was all about. The tone didn't, uh, the music didn't match the message. So we're a lot more deliberate uh, these days about the tone we set for the entire weekend, uh, what's being what's being said, uh, where we want to go, how does the music, how does the music match the message? Mm -hmm. There, there are some songs out there. I come across songs that have the most painful, heartfelt message in the song, and they're put in they're put in a, a rock mm -hmm. vibe or a, a big pop vibe with synths and stuff like that. That's not what this song is trying to say. Mm -hmm. So you know you, you have to match the tone of your music and your presentation with the message that you're trying to give. One of the things I thought that was interesting you said in this uh, about the struggle, and then we'll move on from this, is that if you aren't emotionally drained after each set, you haven't mm. worked hard enough. Yeah, that's the struggle. That's, that's the way I've always felt. Mm. And so this is something I pass down to my worship leaders and everybody that takes the stage, is that you, you should be so focused 
for the 20 to 25 minutes that you're on stage, mm-hmm. that you've let it all out. You've let all your hurt, all your anger, all your excitement, um, you have played, you have made sure that every note was right, that every note you sang or played, you played with passion, that you gave it all when you were on that stage and you walk off, you should be like, wow, I need to take a break for a second. Mm-hmm. I need to sit down yeah. because that was intense. Even yeah. if it was just three songs or four songs, that the struggle should be in, intense enough that when you walk off stage, especially I tell this to vocalists, that you should be wiped out mentally and emotionally after every song and then take a deep breath and do it again. Mm-hmm. And by the time you walk off stage, I believe if you've done it right, you should be, you should be drained because you've given it your all. You, you didn't take anything for granted. Yeah. There was such concentration and focus while you were up there. You gave God the absolute best you could give. Uh, you hear athletes walk off the field and say, I didn't leave it all. I didn't leave anything on the field. I gave it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, we're not out there taking each other's heads off. <laughs> right. But I believe it's just as important, if not more important, to get up there and give everything that we have. Listen, I shudder to stand before God at the end of time, and He calls me into account for the times that I slept walk through a concert mm. or uh, a worship service where I just got out there and just, and I'm, I'm guilty of it. I've done this enough times. I've taken this stage over 5,000 times in my career. Wow. I know there are times. I could tell you stories of waking up in the middle of a song that I'm singing the lead on and going, oh no, what chorus am I on? Have I sung the second verse yet? I mean, you do it enough, Wow! you can fall into those habits very easily. Man, I just, I pray that I never do that again and I'm on guard against that. Yeah. That every time I take the stage is sacred. That I'm taking the stage in the name of Christ and that it's important to somebody. That somebody's life is hanging in the balance mm-hmm. for the things I'm gonna say and things I'm gonna do. Um, and so, that's why I just believe in giving it all. I don't want to take a night off. This could be the last time we take the stage. Mm-hmm. What if Christ comes back at the end of the last song? Mm-hmm. Do you want to be asleep up there? Do you want to be <laughs> sleepwalking? Do you want to be thinking about, you know, where you're going to go to dinner afterwards? No, I don't want that at all. Mm-hmm. I want to be completely locked in. And that takes that takes struggling. That You have to struggle through that. So I totally believe in that. And, and I, I, I give the highest praise to people who walk off stage just distraught, mm-hmm. you know, because they, they have nothing left to give. Wow. That's really good. Next up here is The Serve, and I thought it was interesting how you titled this one, that applause is a dangerous drug. Yeah, it is. What you know you it is. That? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you, all you have to do is say it, and you go, yep, it sure <laughs> is. Hey, there is no other place on a church campus where people applaud for you after you finish doing your job. When you help somebody park their car, they don't applaud for you. Mm-hmm. When somebody holds the door open for you, they don't applaud for you. When uh, you pick up your kids, when, when, some, when you hand your kids back to their parent after they've dropped them off at childcare, that those parents don't applaud you. Mm-hmm. But guess what happens after you sing a great song? People applaud. Mm-hmm. And that is, that's addictive. That is, that's why people with no talent want to be on stage yeah. because they see the glory that people are getting up there and they want part of it. And yeah. it's very dangerous. And so one of the things that, that we have decided to do as a worship staff is to get off the stage and do things either in our church or in the community where people will, have, will not applaud us, where we're not, we're, not, uh, we're not getting anything in return. And I believe as musicians, that's something we have to live with, is that we're getting our reward. We're getting a lot of our reward right here on earth. 
I want to do things where I'm not getting reward on earth. And I want our, I want our team to know that being on stage and delivering those songs is not always the most important thing you can do all week. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a, it, it, it's, look, if we don't humble ourselves, God will humble us. And we don't want that. Mm-hmm. So let's get out. Let's humble ourselves. Let's wash some people's feet. Uh, let's feed the hungry. Let's, let's, um, let's hold the hand of the brokenhearted mm-hmm. that will never darken the doors of our church. And in that way, I really believe we can balance out the, you know, I think we can, we can take that on stage and realize, hey, you know what? This isn't the greatest thing we can do. Mm-hmm. The greatest thing we can do is just love people. You know, again, it's something we try to build in to our week every single every single one of us, where are we serving apart from being on stage? Yeah, and you actually have some super practical things that you and your team do um, yes. for this. Yeah, we do. Well, one thing we, we tell our guys is get involved in another area of church. Don't just be a part of the worship ministry. Mm. Find something else to do. If, if, uh, if, it's, if it's helping out with the kids or, or again, if it's, even if it's just picking up trash around, around the, uh, the campus or it's, you know, whatever you can do to get off the stage and serve mm-hmm. and not get applause, mm-hmm. find a way to do it. We also go to uh, retirement centers. We go to, to food distribution centers. We go to uh, 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 battered women's shelters, mm-hmm. places like that all across Tulsa where we can go in and just maybe take some food, take some cookies, go in and read some scripture, go in with pray with people, take an acoustic guitar, sing a couple of worship songs. Uh, and just and just again hold people's hands while they're hurting, and let them know that that we love them and Jesus loves them. Um, and it's it's really when you start digging in, it's an easy thing to do. There are a lot of places you can find to serve. Absolutely. Um, and then lastly, here, rest mm-hmm. one that can be so easy over easily overlooked. There's so much to do. I'm doing the work of the Lord, but so stinking important. You know, again, we I've talked about. The, the great balance that God brings to our lives if we allow him to. Um, I was reading in the Old Testament the other day um, about the Israelites when God gave them over to captivity. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm going to give you over into captivity for 70 years to make up for 70 years of Sabbath that you've, you've not um, held. And that's the great balance. Yeah. God, God basically said, okay, you haven't been observing the Sabbath for an extended period of time. So guess what? I'm going to put you in captivity long enough to make up for all those Sabbaths. God says, well, there'll be a balance. There'll be a balance here. The seventh day is our balance. This is, God, God, God ordained this from the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. Was God tired on the seventh day after creation? Probably not. Probably not, <laughs> no. So the Sabbath was not for him. Right. It was for us. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, Man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath for man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love how our pastor, Willie George, says this. He says, you can, do, you can accomplish more in six days than you can in seven. Mm-hmm. And anybody that works in the church, anybody that owns their own business, my wife and I talk about this all the time, that it's almost, it's almost painful to take a day off sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And there's an art form to it. There really is. There's an art form to not answering the phone, to not answering emails, to, uh, to not scheduling a couple extra things to get done. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll get a couple of things written while I'm on my day off or whatever. It's really difficult for mm-hmm. us to shut down because we're in such a, a success-driven society, a get-ahead society, so many things demanding our attention that we, we, I think we dishonor God, we dishonor ourselves 
and our futures by not taking a day of rest mm -hmm. every single week. And so we've been really diligent lately about the hours that our team's working, making sure everybody's getting rest, they're recharging, they're spending time with their families. And we have made our day off, our Sabbath, holy. We've made it uh, so that I don't, you know, everybody knows around here, don't call my guys on their day off. Don't call me on my day off. Um, we just feel like that we can't do what we need to do unless we get rest. Yeah. And that's God-ordained. I mean, it's, it's, it's right there in, in black and white in the Bible. So um, I think one of the things that Whit George, our executive pastor, put on our wall the other day, he said, you, you cannot honor God by breaking one of his commandments. Rest. It's one of our tenants. So good. Andy, this has been incredible. Uh, we're going to cap this off uh, in a little segment we like to call Rapid Fire. want to get to know you a little All bit right. better here. So I'm going to fire off. You got. There's no time to think. You just have to Careful answer. what you wish for. <laughs> okay, first off, you're an avid sports fan. Oh, yeah. Uh, favorite pro sports team? Dallas Mavericks. I'm a little disappointed. But Why? Because it's not the Thunder? Because I can... I, Come on, man. I, I am who I am. I, mean, I, I respect that. And let me tell you I, something. I am not. I do not share my loyalties with any other team. I am a. I am a one-team dude. <laughs> so Dallas they, Mavericks all the way. Are they across all sports? They rise above the yes. rest for you. Okay. Yes. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yep. Favorite sport to play? Golf. Interesting. Yes. Let's see here. Because um, I'm short. <laughs> and I'm old. <laughs> Uh, getting into music, favorite genre of music? Oh, it's pop, and and if you want to get specific, '80s pop. I am the I'm the champion of '80s pop around here. Anybody that knew that comes to work in my department has has about a three week orientation on why '80s pop music is the best ever created. <laughs> Top '80s pop artist or band for you? Oh well, let's see, Mr. Mister, uh, uh, Kenny Loggins, Genesis. Oh, Tears for Fears. Of course. Bottom line, Tears for Fears, best, if not the best 80s band ever, maybe the best band ever. Okay. What, uh, what are two to three albums that you're listening to right now? Um, I'm really excited about the new Brandon Flowers album coming out. He's been dropping a couple singles lately. You know, honestly, the best worship album that's come out in a long time, and I still listen to it, is uh, Join the Triumph by Citizens and Saints. Mm. I'm telling you. To listen to a full album, that's, that's, I tell you, that's, that's kind of the downfall of, of digital music these days is nobody listens to whole albums. Mm -hmm. uh, listen a lot to The War on Drugs, to um, uh, there's a band called Jaguar Ma that is this really cool. I'm a big Muse fan and seen them in concert a couple of times. I'm a, I have a flair for the dramatic, so I like bands like that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I have, I have two or three albums that I'm, that I'm just diving into right now. Okay. And then the final song, got to give the people what they want. All right. Favorite for him song of all time. Oh, my gosh. Well, it, I think any day you ask me might be a different one. <laughs> uh, but, wow, best favorite for him song. Uh, you know, there's a song, and I don't even remember what album it's on, called The Mystery of Grace. And for some reason, this song was never... That song was never single, but for some reason that song has always stuck with me. It's one of my favorite vocals I've ever done, and I've, I just always loved the way the song was put together, and it was it was a lot of fun singing it in the studio. So I'll say that, Mystery of Grace. Mystery of Grace by For Him. Go yeah. get it, people. Wow, what an incredible interview. 
There was so much great information in there. One of my favorite parts of that interview was the critique without praise stifles enthusiasm. But praise without critique stifles progress. I'm going to have to go back and listen to that podcast a couple more times. Hey, remember to go over and check out creativesheep.org for all the Mother's Day and Father's Day content that you need for this year. Plus, join the conversation on social. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Twitter and Instagram, you can check us out at creative underscore sheep, at creative underscore sheep. And of course, you can search for us on Facebook. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line. Ask some questions. We'd love to love to feature you here on the podcast and get those questions a- answered for you as best we can. But for me, Jared Hogue, Roman Johnson, and the rest of the Creative Sheep crew, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. We will see you next time. <laughs>